Welcome to the podcast series The New Student Pharmacist, where we discuss chemistry and pharmacy, as well as leaders in pharmacy careers, community, and chemistry and pharmacy research. We encourage you to support the work we are doing and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by subscribing for free. Note, the views on the podcast represent those of my guest and I. Purpose of these episodes not at all, for advice or medical suggestions. These are aimed to provide support to peer pharmacists in training in educational and intellectually stimulating ways. Again, these are not at all for medical advice or medical suggestions. Please see your local board and state certified health professional. The views of this podcast represent those of my guests and I. Hello, Mike. It's good to see you. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, uh, yeah, no problem. So, my first question for you is, what has been some of the most beneficial advice you have received? Uh, I think the most beneficial advice I've received, at least in the context of, I guess, the, the greater purpose of our discussion, which is talking about chemistry and kind of the way we interact with the world as chemists in the way that we think about the world as chemists is essentially like kind of the the advice that's pretty general, like never give up and keep on trying. If you get knocked down, you have to get back up again. And I think in the context of chemistry, this is probably the most important advice I've had because when you're doing research, most likely your experiment is not going to work. Probably out of 100 experiments you do, maybe like, depending on which exact field of chemistry you're in, like 50 of them, 70 of them, 80 of them will fail. So really for me, I think the most important thing has been being told and being affirmed that failure is normal and that you just have to keep working and try again. Yeah, I agree. That's important to persevere. So, do you have any advice for those wanting to pursue the field you are currently working in? Yeah, I would say my advice for someone who wants to be in chemistry is that they need to really seek out people who can give them guidance. I think you shouldn't wait for someone to say, like, let me help you. I think you have to be really proactive. Kind of like you've been doing with this podcast. You're reaching out to people, you're seeing what's worked for them in their their careers, and especially lots of chemists, you're reaching out to them, the people who have experienced the field and you're seeing like what made you successful, what worked well for you. I think you really have to look around and find a mentor who can 
or mentors, multiple mentors who can really help guide you in your path because there's a lot you can miss if you're trying to walk the path alone. Okay, so would you say that mentorship has played a lot, played a large role in your development as a chemist? Yeah, definitely. Okay, that's good. That's good. So, why did you choose chemistry as a field to major in in your undergraduate years? Yeah, so initially it chose biochemistry, which was okay. Kind of motivated out of uh, like I, I like chemistry because it's a mixture of kind of applied science and then also fundamental science. Okay. It's called the simple science often. And I chose biochemistry because I liked the, the relationship between the chemistry side and also kind of like the more medicine type side. I didn't want to be a doctor, but I thought it was really cool to see how chemistry and different like therapeutics can help the body, how you can like heal humans using the knowledge of chemistry. But as I progressed in my study of chemistry, I got more interested in things that went beyond just like chemistry interacting with humans, but just chemistry interacting with the whole world, which is kind of how I shifted more towards inorganic chemistry, where I was interested in how chemistry in humans using chemistry, either as chemists or as people driving cars or using plastic materials, whatever it may be, interact with the world. And I really liked how inorganic chemistry could help shape the way we interact with the whole world. Okay, so what do you mean by that? Um, what what specific ways, uh, or, or even more to be more even more specific, what specific area of inorganic chemistry is your research centered around? Yeah. So my interest in inorganic chemistry even surpasses just my research. I'll I'll talk about both, I guess. Okay. Of like in general, inorganic chemistry, for example, like all of the plastics around us. Most of them are made using inorganic catalysts. Plastics play like a huge role in our world, and this has been like a development that happened within like the several decade time span that was really important, a really important contribution to inorganic chemistry. Also, if you look at like a lot of the like industrial feedstock chemistry, like ammonia is one that's central to our research group because ammonia is important for fertilizer as known as a nitrogen feedstock chemical. Okay. Inorganic catalysts are like necessary for providing more ammonia for both fertilizer and feedstock applications. There's also like hydrocarbon fracking. Mm-hmm. There, there are all sorts of uh, different different industrial applications that really heavily rely on metal catalysts. So inorganic chemistry really appealed to me as something that spanned so many different uh, like areas of our life where we may not even realize it. Even just in your car, like your catalytic converter in your mm-hmm. car is inorganic catalysts. Yeah. Now my own research, what's interesting, our group deals quite heavily in the nitrogen cycle, although we also look at other small molecule activations. I work for Jonas Peters at Caltech to um, provide some context. We work a lot in the nitrogen cycle, and I work in the conversion of ammonia and nitrogen. So our group historically studies the process where you take nitrogen Mm -hmm. and you convert it to ammonia, which is called nitrogen fixation. Mm -hmm. One of the most important industrial processes, the Haber-Bosch process. Um, But recently, well, not, not even recently, for decades, 
there's been interest in using ammonia as fuel because ammonia is doesn't have any carbon in it. So if you use ammonia as fuel, not necessarily combust, you could also use it like a fuel cell or some other uh, application. Using ammonia as fuel would be a carbon-free fuel, and uh, that's been something that people are really interested in recently because there's a lot of push towards avoiding the carbon-based fuels because of concerns about global warming. But even more importantly, to me, like, carbon-based fuels will run out. Like, that seems to be something that's hard to debate. No matter how much people may have different perceptions on the prospects of global warming, if you use up a resource, you will run out of it. And carbon-based fuels are hard to replenish. So you can either do research in replenishing carbon-based fuels, which is a really active and important area of research, or you can research alternative technologies that don't rely on the carbon-based fuels. So this could be like capturing solar energy, wind energy, any of these things, or storing that energy in different fuels, one of which could be ammonia. So that's what my research deals with, turning ammonia into nitrogen is a new carbon fuel. Okay, that's good. That's good. So... If you had to give along the same lines of advice and career paths, how have you been able to be uh, so academically successful as a student? How, what would you attribute to your success? Or who, or what process, or pattern, or lifestyle? Yeah. I think for this question, it's really important to acknowledge my parents, because my parents. I think having two parents who were really interested in my academic success was really helpful. Both of them were really involved in like like pushing me to study and really prioritize that in my life, making that like really important for me. Not not like diminishing its importance and saying like, yeah, school's alright, but why don't you focus on like all these other activities also? Like they did let me do other activities. I played soccer my whole life. Um, I ran track when I was in high school. I did a lot of other activities, but they weren't like forcing me to do anything. They gave me the, the ability to make my own choice, but they imparted how important education is, which I'm really grateful for because even though I really liked soccer when I was a kid, like it's unlikely you're going to become a professional athlete, for example. Mm-hmm. So, and I also like suffered a lot of like injuries when I was doing sports, mm-hmm. where that would have like had a really negative effect if I wanted to keep playing sports. So, like, I chose not to try to play sports in college because of injuries I had in high school. Whereas, like, focusing on academics, because my parents made me focus so much on or didn't make me focus so much on academics, but made me realize how important it was. That was like a gift that I've been able to keep like across many different circumstances. So I think that's a really important factor in terms of making me see that it's important. I think a lot of people, although to people like us who are like grad students or beginning their, their career as a graduate student, it seems like obvious that education is important. I think not everyone is of the same opinion where they don't necessarily think it's that important. Okay. 
And I don't think education in the, like, college education itself is the most important thing. Like, I also think it's really important to have education for, like, like, more, like, not college education for a so like, being a electrician or being a mechanic or some other, some other skill like that. I think that's also really important, and yeah. I include that also in education. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, for example, uh, like in the Bahamas, they have different paths that students can take, and one would be a strictly academic route, and there's also a pathway in which you can study at a technical and vocational institute. So yeah, both play a large role in development and providing job security and good opportunities for people to find work. So um, how do you maintain a balanced life given all your responsibilities and accomplishments? Or how are you trying to maintain a balanced life? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a kind of, I'm not a great person to ask about this because I'm <laughs> kind of, the way that I, I operate is kind of like, a, my, the, my PI, he's told me many times, like graduate school is a miracle. Yeah. But my response to that question is that I'm a sprinter. When I was in high school, when I was in high school and I ran track, I was a sprinter. Like my mentality is always like to go fast. Yeah. So that's something I'm trying to work on a bit, like being more patient. Um, so I'm not really great with the whole balancing thing. Pretty much what I do is like I work really hard for a while and then after that I will rest for a while and I okay. kind of go in cycles. Okay. Which is a fair strategy, but maybe the marathon strategy is slightly better. But yeah, I wouldn't say I'm the best source for this question. Okay, well, it's good. It's good to. I would say this. It's good to work under rest, and the fact the fact that you have found a way to incorporate both into your studies is very beneficial. So. Um, how do you maintain vision and teamwork in your environment? Yeah, so I think that really ties in a lot with the last question of the, uh, maintaining a balanced life in the okay. of being a sprinter versus being a marathon runner. Okay. I think a really important thing is patience. Okay. I think patience has to be like one of the most important lessons I've learned in graduate school. And I think it's what is of utmost importance in maintaining vision and teamwork because when you work in a team, inevitably people are going to want to work at different rates, they're going to want to have different thoughts, they're going to want to explore different pathways, you might disagree on which pathway you want to work on. Mm -hmm. So I think really patience is really important for maintaining vision and teamwork because you need to really be patient and see where the other people on your team are coming from. You need to like really get in their shoes and see like how are they thinking about the problem. Like what are their thoughts on the problem? Not what my thoughts are on the problem. Like what are my team my teammates' thoughts? And in order to do that it takes time and that means you need to be patient with the other people to figure out, you know, what their thoughts are. Yeah, I agree. Patience is very important. It allows you to be considerate, conscientious, and to work collaboratively and effectively with people, especially in scientific environments. So, 
um, along the lines of environment, um, how have you sought or found the right environment for you to thrive scientifically and or intellectually? How are you finding that environment? Or how did you find it? Yeah, I think this is really something that just takes like personal experimentation. So for me, like the right environment for me to thrive, a lot of it has to do with like when I work and how I work. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I figured out that I like to work like later at night. I'm much more effective when I'm working later at night. So being in grad school where I have a pretty flexible schedule, I've been able to make my schedule such that I can work in the hours that I'm more productive, which is usually working later at night. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing. I, I don't really know about other factors. Maybe you have some other factors in mind that I can, that you can bring up. Um, so you're basically saying, you're basically saying personal experimentation it requires some personal reflection and self-discovery and right. understanding yourself and how you fit into the environment. Yeah. So yeah. understanding how you fit in the environment is really important. And it, yeah. it takes the two factors. You have to see the environment, mm-hmm. which is a factor, but you also have to do the self-reflection, which is really important. You have to like actively ask yourself, like, is what I'm doing good? Yeah, I agree. I completely agree because you know I've heard different takes on this after interviewing several people you know um, self-discovery is important self-reflection is important yes finding a good environment is important as well but you know sometimes you can complement to the environment becoming what you want you can be a change agent in that environment um, even as a beginning beginner or learner because you know I've interviewed other people and they've stated how they've complemented to creating the environment that they wanted to see or shaping the environment in the direction or a path that was aligned with what they value and thought to be true. So how have you been uh, adaptive and creative in the field of science? What specific ways or areas have you been adaptive or creative in science? Yeah, I think this question, I can't say that I'm necessarily adaptive and creative what i'll say is that there's nothing new under the sun okay the most adaptive and creative things i've been able to do that may seem adaptive or creative i think come from looking very vigorously at what's already known so in the context of chemistry there's there are so many papers that have been published over like say the last 200 years and there's been so much research by so many people and oftentimes small paths of investigation get forgotten because at that point in time it wasn't clear how the different paths connected with one another but if you look from our modern perspective now and you look really deeply and you say i saw like all these different paths that people were researching at different points in time and now seeing all of them together at this current time I see a link between them. I think finding that link between maybe these old threads of investigation is really an important thing that can be overlooked. A lot of times it's more exciting to try to find something brand new, but it's easy to find something new and creative from what's already known. So you have to really dig into what's known in the primary literature. And it's been my experience. Yeah, I agree because you know, 
many times, many times people want to, well, some persons may want to work on something that's novel or come up with something that's novel. But as you look back on previous literature, um, whether it be in a discipline in chemistry or a discipline in science in general, as you look back at previous literature, you can gain insight that they complement to you. Um, doing an experiment better or adjusting some type of parameter within the experiment. So yeah, I do agree that is very important. Um, so, how do you maintain a view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general? Yeah, I think this question gets at one's worldview. Okay. So my personal worldview is that I'm a Christian and I have faith in Jesus for me that's been it's kind of a freeing thing because maintaining the bigger picture in my life that is the bigger picture for me so I'm not tied to like being a perfect scientist or like being a new hero of scientists like trying to be the new Einstein or whatever your favorite scientist may be yeah I agree like I don't like Although I do like to try to like strive for perfection, if I fail, that's not a problem. I don't I don't need to be perfect to like redeem my life. I just need to do my best and as part of my personal like philosophy, which I think is tied to Christianity, trying to be the best version of yourself and leave the world better than yes. you found it. I think that even though that is my goal, if I fail, it's not, it's okay, because I don't need to be the best in order to be, to be doing my part. I just need to, I don't need to be successful, I just need to be really doing my very best and doing for it. Yeah, I agree, because you know, my worldview is based on my, my Christian faith as well, and you know, um, my understanding is, you know, as we progress and as we move along, we try and get better day by day. It's a journey. So you don't have to like arrive or be some perfect person. At the end of the day, we're, we're gradually becoming better. So yeah, that, that, that does play a large role. A faith perspective does play a large role. So as we conclude, what have been your long-standing interests in the field of science? If you were to summarize it, like two or three sentences. What have been your long-standing interests in the field of science? I think now one of my long-standing interests is uh, like conversion of fuel, like making a way for us to power our planet in a way that is better than our current systems. Okay. This relates to like one of it, it's long-standing in the fact that when I was a kid one of my dreams was to have a Lotus Exige, this like fancy kind of niche sports car. Okay. As I grew up, I came to see that I, I felt like a bad environmental steward if I were to buy a car that has 10 miles per gallon fuel efficiency. Okay. So now I feel like I need to be working on like, I still want a sports car, but yeah. I don't want to be a bad steward of the environment. Yeah, I understand. It's, it's it's beyond that. This is kind of like a, like a trivial example and somewhat of a joke. But uh-huh. I think it's true. We want to maintain our lifestyle, but we want to be good steward of, stewards of the environment. 
Yes. How can we do that if we don't have technology that will allow us to do both? We we can't do we can't do both equally in our the current state of our our world. And our future generations won't be able to do it if there is no more fuel. So I, I see that as like a really, really important problem. Okay, that's good, man. That's very good. Thanks again for joining me today, Mike. It was good to have you here. Yeah, it was really good to see you. Welcome to the New Chemists podcast. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts and other platforms. Here on The New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other scientists, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is Vincent Miranda. Thanks for joining me today. It is so good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. A good friend and a good colleague of mine, an intelligent young person, Vincent Miranda, graduated valedictorian in 2017 from Northwood High School in Napanee, Indiana. Vincent Miranda graduated in the spring of 2021 from Taylor University, and he earned a Bachelor of Science degree in biochemistry. He is currently enrolled in Indiana University School of Medicine, and I'm sure he will do well, and I wish him all the best. Please welcome Vincent Miranda. Thanks, Vincent, for joining me today. It is so good to have you as a guest today um, on this podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, me and Vincent go way back. We go all the way back to 2018. Is that is that, is that right? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, I was just a, a fresh chemistry student. Yeah. Didn't know up and down. Yeah, I didn't know up and down, but he knew his way around the lab. So I would say a really good friend of mine, a close friend of mine, and a really intelligent uh, young person. Um, so what have been your long-standing interests in the field of science? I think just starting from mainly in high school when I really took a took an interest to science and um, the different fields of science I have always wanted to use my knowledge and what I've learned just to help others um, you know I think everyone kind of has their niche where they just feel comfortable and for me that's been the field of science and so to be able to use that to be able to use what I learn and what I know to then impact others in a positive way that's kind of been um, one thing i've really tried to do okay so so you're interested from also from your career profile i could see you're interested in the translational aspect of science as it pertains to science impacting society is that correct yep yep i would say so yeah that's good so along that line in what way would you say have you added creative flair to the science that you did at Taylor University? I think that the science I did at Taylor University, you know, it's it's not a very big field or not a very big major at Taylor. So Mm -hmm. um, I think just being able to take people from different areas, like for example, myself, I was able to play basketball at Taylor and, and study biochemistry as well so being able to bring that 
what I learned from sports and that team atmosphere, that um, kind of working together, working through our adversity, and really turn it and kind of change it into what I do in the, in the field of science as well. So, for example, in the lab, something goes wrong, and you know, you got some options. You can either just quit or you can try to figure out a new solution. I think that athletic background really helped me kind of push through different adversity that came up in the field of science. That's good that you mentioned that. You know, many times, I think, many times in my, from my personal experience, it seems as if uh, athletics and academics are like two different spheres that people rarely uh, show that they coincide. But I think if we were to take the discipline that we uh, taught and perpetuated in the field of athletics and translate that into science and show that the same way how person X can be great in basketball through being disciplined and dedicated from a very early age. So likewise, you can be great in science if you're disciplined, dedicated, and coincide with your skills and passion um, from an early age. Um, you work hard, so you can be great. But um, along that line, um, how do you maintain view on the bigger picture in your career and your life in general? When you encounter challenges, everyone has encountered challenges um, at some point in their academic career. When you encounter challenges, how do you maintain view of the bigger picture? I think for me, it's it's just taking it day by day, um, especially for for what I want to get into. You can really get caught up in very future focus and what's coming next and how do I prepare for this and am I ready for that? I think that can really just cause trouble in, in the present um, if you're looking so much toward the future that you forget what you're doing now. So. One of the things I like to do is just make sure I'm not looking too far ahead. I'm just going day by day and I'm making things into smaller, more manageable tasks as opposed to things that seem unmanageable and huge. Uh, and then in addition to that, I think being able to have the, the correct priorities, just knowing where my career, where academics fits into my life in general, um, and there are things that are more important than that, even though academics is very important to me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, um, would you say that your perspective or your stance of taking it in like, day by day or in granularity and looking at the particulars of, of that specific day um, is really confident to your success thus far? Yeah, I would say so. Um, like I said, it just, it just keeps me grounded and keeps me from getting discouraged by looking at things that may seem impossible to, to accomplish all in one swoop. So breaking it up into the smaller things, I think, helps me stay encouraged. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, John Maxwell said, while others simply go through life, I will grow through it. That's my choice and I will surrender it to no one. So yeah, we do have agency and we do have the capacity to choose. And like you said, you chose and you choose daily to take things one step at a time. I think the compliments, you know, when you break a large path down into small, small, small parts, it makes it more feasible. I also make it more manageable in terms of, I'm not dealing with this huge goal that I must achieve in this one instance. But um, at the same time, you, so just a snapshot of your career, you started off at Taylor University, a very good, um, I would say, high-ranking, Christian University um, that has a really strong chemistry department. You started off there, you did basketball, and now you've matriculated 
you've got into Indiana University's medical school, which is a very top-notch medical school. Um, what would you say, or how did you seek and find the right environment for you to thrive? So obviously, you thought you were thriving at Taylor, and that complemented to being able to get admitted into Indiana University. So how did you thrive, and how did you find that environment to thrive? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is just the face-to-face personal interaction I can have with my professors, the people above me, and just so I can learn. That's how I learn best, I think, is in that face-to-face contact, that small group structure, or the one-on-one time with the professor. So being at Taylor um, in a department that I think we had eight or nine students in my graduating class in the chemistry department, mm-hmm. it was a tight-knit group, and I could walk in any of my professor's offices pretty much at any time and be able to have that one-on-one conversation with something I'm not understanding or even something totally different. So being able to have that small class size and that family atmosphere, I think really helped me thrive, and which is another reason why I think it'll be beneficial that I'm at actually at the South Bend campus for IU School of Medicine and not okay. in Indianapolis or Bloomington, because again, it's that smaller we have 30 students in our class, and so I'm going to be able to have that that small class size and that um, personal interaction again. I believe. That's good. And I hope. I hope. I hope that is the case for you. Hope and pray that is the case for you. So, um, given that you uh, have a lot of responsibilities, you're a married man, you're going to med school, all this other good stuff, and you've accomplished several things. How do you maintain balance, Vincent? Are you balanced, Vincent? You said you are striving to be balanced? I think so. I'm definitely striving to be balanced. And um, on a day-to-day basis, sometimes you might get a little off balance, but I don't think that's that's anything too abnormal. Um, so just, that's another thing where I think basketball has really helped me because in, in college and even before that in high school, I really had to work at, you know, balancing my schedule, managing my time, making sure that school got done and that I was giving my best effort on the um, on the athletic field or court. So just kind of using that time management skill and things like that to make sure you have the right balance and stay grounded. And that's another thing too, just having good friends, good family that they're they'll tell you when you're when you're out of line, when your priorities aren't straight. And so having that support system has been huge for me, my family, my wife now, and all my great friends like you, David, just making sure that I'm, I'm kind of on the right path and, and going in the right direction. Yeah, man, you're a good friend of mine as well. And I think one of the things that complements uh, understanding balance is that balance is not, I've spoken to many people about, 30 different people about the same concept. Uh, balance is not, that doesn't make me an expert in it, by the way. It makes me someone who can discuss it. So balance is not a static, stance on instance balance is dynamic it's like resilience just like mental health all those things incorporate you know addressing the stresses that you face finding a way to manage and adjust to them and then proceeding forward with your life so you know Frederick Flack said that the most encouraging observation I've made over the years is resilience or whatever you want to call it balance is a strength most of us can develop with thought and practice so you know those things um, course I summarize his words but those things they require thought they require practice and they require uh, progress through time 
know, it's not something that you achieve in one instant. So yeah, I agree with you. So I would say, in many regards, you've been successful as a student in the field. What has complemented your success thus far? And what do you think will complement to your success in medical school? Is it a personality thing? Is it a skill set thing? Is it a knowledge and acumen thing? What would you say is that factor? Of course, both of you and I, being people of faith, we attribute our success to um, who we believe in. But um, what would you say is the factor when it comes to your practical, physical, day-to-day life as complement to your success? Yeah, I think um, the personality I've been able to develop just from my life experiences, uh, being the youngest of, of three boys and uh, being in athletics all growing up, and then just the support system I have from my family, um, all those things kind of mold, molded me into who I am today, someone who's you know, willing to take chances, willing to have those hard conversations and, and push through adversity. Um, and then just being able to, I think one thing that that'll help me going forward you know there's a lot of people maybe that are in the sense of book smart much smarter than I am but I feel like with the experience I've had the jobs I've been able to work the shadowing opportunities I've had I've been able to kind of witness and see what it takes to be successful in the field of medicine and so all those different things I think have have set me up pretty well for uh, going forward in this field yeah so another thing that i've heard you mention um as i've interviewed them is the use of anki the use of sketchy the use of pickmonic all those are platforms and software that allow for reinforcing your learning in medical school so how have you maintained vision and teamwork in your environment while at taylor and um, even in your personal life how do you maintain vision and teamwork i think kind of Sometimes you have to really stop and swallow your pride because being in being a good student and you know sometimes things do go your way and at those moments you can't let you can't get too proud and think that you can do this all on your own and I don't need God I don't need any other people around me I'm doing this all on my own and whenever you start to teeter to the to that thought process I think it's when like I said before, you have a good support system that says, wait a second, you didn't get here all on your own, you know, you, you have a good support system with you and you don't want to ruin that. Um, and just making sure that you're, you're not too proud to ask for help sometimes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like I heard I was interviewing an administrator from the and he made the comment, his concern is not about being right, he just wants to make sure that he gets it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and make sure he's in the right position and achieve the right goal achieve the thing that's needful at the time. So why did you choose biochemistry? Be more specific. Why did you choose biochemistry as a field to major in Vincent? What complemented that decision for undergrad? I think for me, so it kind of starts back to when I was in high school. Really, I had a great chemistry teacher and really enjoyed learning about the sciences. And then after that, I was able to shadow, or I had an internship at a hospital my senior year of high school and kind of got to see the different parts of medicine. So I was thinking, you know, where, what can I do? Where can I go to integrate this chemistry, these sciences that I love so much, as well as the field of medicine that I love so much. And so then that's kind of when I settled on, on bio, 
chemistry as opposed to a biology major, which a lot of pre-med students are, or just a chemistry straight up. So I really thought that by doing biochemistry, I could integrate those things that I love um, respectively and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, that's good. So why medicine? I'm sure you got this question before, so I like to hear. Yeah. Why is yeah, so I think uh, one of the the big things that kind of led me into medicine was just some experiences I had when I was younger. I was uh, able to see my my grandfather kind of go through the digression of uh, dementia when when I was probably eight or nine. And so that was kind of one of the first things that really interested me in medicine. Obviously, at the time, I was mourning. Um, it wasn't easy for my family to, to watch that happen. But looking back on it, I think that's one thing that maybe even subconsciously really triggered me to have an inkling towards the field of medicine. And then, like I said, the I knew I had a, a kind of an idea that I wanted to go into medicine. I thought maybe in high school, maybe I'd go work in a lab, something to do with chemistry. And then I had that internship where I was able to, I was able to see, spend some time in the operating room, in the emergency room, uh, radiology, all different aspects of the hospital. And at that point, it kind of solidified, yeah, this is, this is something I'd like to do. I'd like to use what I know about chemistry and science and uh, use it in this field of medicine to then help people. Yeah, I agree. So what specialty is your, are you leaning towards? If, if you were able to pick one today, you finish medical school, you're not optimal, you're skilled, medical school, you will be open, but um, what specialty would you choose today? I'm just curious. Yeah, I think if I, if I had to choose something today, you know, I'm really open into whatever, when I go through my patients, sparks my interest. If I had to pick something now, I think I would pick neurology, just on the fact that I really am infatuated with the brain and how complex it is and everything that's going on there. Um, I actually started out at Taylor with a psych minor, but then dropped that because I wasn't able to. It was just going to be a, a workload I wasn't willing to commit to adding that minor. So then I, but I did. I was able to take some psychology classes, and again, it just blew my mind just the complexity of the human brain and um, how there's so many things that we don't know about it and so many diseases that right now don't have any cures or anything like that um, I think it's a field that that is there's a high supply or high demand and I'm hoping I can um, help with my future colleagues to meet that demand that's right that's right it's good that it worked out eh yeah. <laughs> work, work together for good. Long yep. Yep. But um, do you have any advice to those wanting to pursue the field that you're currently studying in? Uh, I would. That you're about to embark in and the, the field that you studied in. Yeah. Yeah. I would say just get as much real world experience as possible um, to really know. Because you, you don't know. You may have an idea, you think, oh yeah, I, I like this, this sounds interesting. But until you really kind of get your hands dirty and have that experience, for me it was like I, I interned at the hospital and then a couple years later I worked as a nursing assistant at that same hospital. And so that aspect of it, you know, you see, you're able to see the, 
the almost the bottom of the totem pole in the medical field on your way to hopefully one day the top of the totem pole as a, as a doctor but really it's kind of wrong i guess i would say to see it as a totem pole i think it's a more um, progression a progression yeah it's it's people all working together you know you need everyone on board from the, the nursing assistants all the way to the top positions you need everybody on board thinking the same way using that teamwork to do what's ultimately best for the patient and so then i did that in this past year or so i've been able to work at um, our county jail in the medical department to be able to have that experience and i think all these different experiences and just being thrown into the into the fire um, in the medical field has really solidified my passion for medicine and um, so i would say people coming in thinking they might want to do medicine just put yourself in, in the shoes of a medical professional and really give it a try yeah that's fair that's fair so um what has been some of the most beneficial advice that you have received some of the most beneficial advice you have received today i think that one thing for me uh, i was able to shadow a doctor or a physician here in around my hometown and what he said to me was that the the process of um, taking the MCAD and preparing for medical school, things like that, that's the hard part. Once you get in, you know, you're a good student. You're obviously a good student if you got in. So you can kind of breathe this, uh, or take a breath of relief when that happens. Um, so just making sure that you're not getting overwhelmed, you're not getting too anxious or worked up for the school. And just kind of, like I said before, taking it day by day. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's very good. Um, anyway, Vincent, thanks so much for joining me today. It was definitely a pleasure to have you on as a guest and a good friend of mine. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is The New Chemist, where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I. Title. The Archipelago Anthems, Sulfonamides and Quinolon's intro beat with Bahamian vibes verse 1, In the heart of the sea, where the corals thrive, Bahamian legends, they keep alive. Sir Butler and Pindling, giants in the tail, guiding the ship through storm and gale. In the world of microbes, a similar fight, Sulfonamides, Quinolon's, shining bright. They block and disrupt, with precise aim, in the bacterial world, they rise to fame. Chorus, from Nassau shores to the depths unseen, fighting the foes, keeping it clean. Sulfur shields up, quinolon slice, in the battle of health, they pay the price. Verse 2, like Butler's voice, echoing strong, sulfonamides halt the bacterial throng. Mimicking Pava, they cleverly deceive, folic acid synthesis, they never achieve. Quinolons like Pindling, strategic and smart, unraveling DNA, 
playing their part. Halting replication, a masterful art, in the microbial world, they're off the chart. Chorus, in the Bahamas, where heroes are born, antibiotics, from dusk till morn. Sulfa, quinolons, in tandem they fight, guarding health, with all their might. Bridge, Feynman simplifies, Socrates queries, in the world of drugs, no time for theories. Sulfonamides block, quinolons attack, in this microbial war, there's no turning back. Verse 3, respect to Pindling, respect to Butler, in the fight for freedom, they never did falter. Sulfonamides, quinolons, in their essence, fighting disease, with relentless persistence. Sulfa blocks the path, quinolons cut the line, in this epic battle, they're both divine. Chorus, sulfonamides, quinolons, heroes of might, in the archipelago, they bring the light. From microscopic foes, they set us free, in the world of health, they're the key. Outro, so here's to the heroes, in science and lore, their legacy lives on, forevermore. Sulfa and quinolons, in the annals of time, in this archipelago anthem, they forever shine. Five metaphorical questions for reflection, if sulfonamides were explorers like Sir Butler, what uncharted bacterial territories might they discover? How could quinolons, as wise tacticians, evolve to outsmart the cunning resistance of bacterial armies? In what ways do the strategies of our Bahamian heroes mirror the mechanisms of these antimicrobial agents? Could the unity shown by Sir Pindling inspire collaborative approaches in the realm of antibiotic research? How might the legacy of these Bahamian titans influence the next generation of pharmacists in their quest for innovative treatments? Haiku, Islands of Wisdom, in the Battle of Microbes, Hope and Health Take Flight. Rap Ajuro, Ten Lines Yo, in the labs where the molecules dance, Woodward, Carver, Julian, Take a Stance. Sulfus the arrow, Quinolones the blade, in this health crusade, legends are made. Bahamian spirit, in science, we trust, in Butler and Pindling, heroes robust. In microbial wars, they're the front line, Sulfa and Quinolone, forever entwined. Through science and lore, their stories we wrap, in the archipelago, they bridge the gap. In the lush archipelago of the Bahamas, a tale of freedom and pioneering spirits echoes through the islands, much like the vibrant life of a thriving coral reef. This story, interwoven with the intricate science of sulfonamides and quinolons, unfolds like an epic saga, where heroes emerge, battles are fought, and new realms are discovered. Sir Milo Butler and Sir Lyndon Pindling, Titans of Independence imagine Sir Milo Butler and Sir Lyndon Pindling as colossal figures, standing like mighty lighthouses guiding the Bahamian ship through tumultuous seas to the serene harbor of independence. Their voices, thunderous and inspiring, resonated like the profound rumble of ocean waves, stirring the hearts of the people. The sulfonamide and quinolone superheroes, guardians of health in a parallel universe, sulfonamides, and quinolones emerge as superhero medicines in the cosmic battle against bacterial villains. Sulfonamides, the vigilant sentinels, block the sinister pathways of bacterial folate synthesis, akin to how Sir Butler blocked the pathways of colonial oppression. 
They're like the archers of old, precisely targeting a crucial step in the enemy's strategy. Quinolans, on the other hand, are akin to Sir Pindling's strategic genius. They uncoil the DNA helix of malevolent bacteria with the finesse of a master swordsman, severing the lifelines of replication and transcription, ensuring the downfall of bacterial tyranny. The Feynman technique, simplifying the complex lets unravel the complexity of these drugs using the Feynman technique. Picture a bustling city, the bacterial cell. Sulfonamides are like a roadblock halting the supply trucks, folic acid, essential for the city's survival. Without these supplies, the city crumbles. Quinolons, in contrast, are akin to cutting the power lines, DNA gyrase and topoisomerase 4, plunging the city into chaos and halting all operations. Socratic Seminar, a dialogue of discovery in a Socratic Seminar, we probe deeper. How do these drugs mirror the strategies of our Bahamian heroes? What lessons can we learn from their actions that apply to fighting bacterial infections? This dialogue, rich with inquiry, mirrors the deep discussions that shaped the Bahamas' journey to independence. Metaphorical questions and conclusion as we reach the end of this narrative, let's reflect with metaphorical questions, one if sulfonamides were pioneers like Sir Butler, what new frontiers could they explore in the world of medicine? Two how might quinolons, as strategists, outmaneuver the ever-evolving resistance of bacterial cities? Three in what ways do the battles against colonial rule mirror the fight against bacterial infections? Four can the unity and determination shown by Bahamian heroes inspire new approaches in antibiotic research? 5. How might the legacy of Sir Pindling influence future generations of pharmacists in their quest to heal? Haiku, Islands of Freedom, Medicines Battle the Storm, Health, and Hope Reborn. Wrap, 10 lines in the heart of the sea, where the corals lay, Bahamian giants paved the way. Sir Butler's voice, loud, a guiding light, Sir Pindling's wisdom, turning dark to bright. Salt arrows fly, blocking paths unseen, Quinolon slash, a cut so keen. Battling bacteria, in a cellular fight, guardians of health, shining oh so bright. From Nassau to Freeport, in every shore, heroes, and medicines, legends forevermore. Title, The Dynamic Duo of Antimicrobials, Sulfonamides and Quinolons Welcome to our Advanced Pharmacy Seminar, where today we will explore the superhero-like powers of two prominent antimicrobial agents, sulfonamides and quinolons. Imagine these two as characters in a scientific narrative, each with unique abilities to combat bacterial villains. Sulfonamides, the synthesis blockers let's begin with sulfonamides, the older of the two heroes. Picture sulfonamides as a veteran superhero, known for its classic approach to dismantling enemies. Sulfonamides work by mimicking paraminobenzoic acid, PAVA, a crucial component bacteria used to synthesize folic acid. Now, why is folic acid important for bacteria? Folic acid is essential for bacterial DNA and RNA synthesis. By impersonating PAVA, sulfonamides competitively inhibit the enzyme dihydroptate synthase in the folic acid synthesis pathway leading to the interruption of bacterial nucleic acid and protein synthesis. 
This mechanism is akin to a superhero stealthily sabotaging the villain's plans by intercepting their supplies. Quinolons, the DNA disruptors next, enter Quinolons, a more modern hero with a different approach. Quinolons can be visualized as a high-tech hero, equipped with advanced gadgets to dismantle their bacterial foes. Their weapon of choice? Inhibition of DNA replication. Quinolons target the DNA gyrase and topoisomerase 4 enzymes in bacteria. DNA gyrase is crucial for supercoiling and uncoiling DNA during replication, while topoisomerase 4 is essential for separating replicated bacterial chromosomes. By inhibiting these enzymes, quinolons prevent bacterial DNA replication and transcription, leading to cell death. Imagine quinolons as using a high-tech device to freeze the villain's machinery in its tracks, rendering it useless. Teamwork in action now, let's picture a scenario where our heroes team up against a multi-resistant bacterial villain. Sulfonamides start the action by cutting off the supply line of folic acid, weakening the bacteria. Quinolons then swoop in with their advanced technology to halt DNA replication. This dual assault is effective against a range of bacterial infections, making them a formidable team in the antibiotic arsenal. Advanced considerations for the pharmacy protege as an advanced pharmacy student, it's crucial to understand not just how these agents work, but also their limitations and the challenges they face. Resistance is a significant issue. For sulfonamides, bacteria might alter their enzyme or increase PAGO production. Quinolons face bacterial mutations in DNA gyrase or efflux pumps expelling the drug. It's essential to consider these factors in clinical settings, ensuring the right hero is deployed for the right bacterial villain. Conclusion, heroes with a cause in conclusion, sulfonamides, and quinolons, like superheroes in a narrative, play distinct and vital roles in combating bacterial infections. Their mechanisms of action, while different, are both crucial in the fight against microbial resistance. As you progress in your pharmacy career, remember the stories of these antimicrobial heroes and their ongoing battle to protect human health. Let's open the floor for a Socratic seminar. How do you think the evolving landscape of antimicrobial resistance might shape the future use of sulfonamides and quinolons? What are the implications for pharmacists in terms of prescribing practices and patient education? Title, The Battle Against Bacterial Villains, Sulfonamides and Quinolons Opening Scene, Introduction to the Battlefield in a World Overrun by Bacterial Villains, Two Superhero Groups Emerge, The Sulfonamides and the Quinolons. Each group has unique powers to combat these microscopic malefactors. Feynman Technique, Simplifying the Concept, What are Sulfonamides and Quinolons in the Simplest Terms? How do they differ from each other in their mechanism of action? Socratic Seminar, Encouraging Exploration, Imagine Sulfonamides as characters who interfere with the villain's food supply. Can anyone describe how this analogy relates to their actual mechanism? Think of quinolons as heroes disrupting the villain's communication lines. How does this metaphor apply to their action against bacteria? Middle scene, delving deeper into the hero's abilities the sulfonamides, known as the blockers, can disrupt the metabolic pathways of villainous bacteria. The quinolons, called the disruptors, 
are adept at breaking essential bacterial DNA processes. Feynman technique, breaking down complex ideas, how do sulfonamides block bacterial pathways? What is the significance of folic acid synthesis in this context? How do quinolones disrupt DNA processes? What is DNA gyrase, and why is it crucial? Socratic seminar, provoking critical thinking, if sulfonamides stop folic acid synthesis, why doesn't this harm human cells? Quinolones target DNA gyrase, but how does this lead to the death of bacterial cells? Final scene, understanding limitations and risks every superhero has limitations, and so do our antimicrobial heroes. Understanding these limitations is key to maximizing their effectiveness and ensuring the safety of the innocent. Feynman technique, addressing limitations, what are the common side effects and limitations of sulfonamides? What are the potential risks and side effects associated with quinolones? Socratic seminar, reflecting on implications, considering the side effects, in what scenarios might one group of heroes be preferred over the other? How do resistance mechanisms developed by bacteria affect our choice of hero? Conclusion, the ever-evolving battle in the fight against bacterial villains, the sulfonamides, and the quinolones play critical roles. However, the battle is ever-evolving, with resistance and new challenges constantly emerging. Feynman technique, recap and reinforcement, let's summarize, what are the key takeaways about sulfonamides and quinolones? How can we apply this knowledge in a clinical setting? Socratic seminar, encouraging lifelong learning, how can we stay ahead in this battle against bacterial resistance? What future developments do you foresee in the realm of antimicrobial agents? This superhero-themed narrative, structured through the Feynman Technique and Socratic Seminar format, not only makes the learning process engaging but also promotes a deeper understanding of the complex world of antimicrobial pharmacology. Title, The Dynamic Duo of Antimicrobials, Sulfonamides and Quinolones Welcome to our Advanced Pharmacy Seminar, where today we will explore the superhero-like powers of two prominent antimicrobial agents, sulfonamides and quinolones. Imagine these two as characters in a scientific narrative, each with unique abilities to combat bacterial villains. Sulfonamides, the synthesis blockers let's begin with sulfonamides, the older of the two heroes. Picture sulfonamides as a veteran superhero, known for its classic approach to dismantling enemies. Sulfonamides work by mimicking paraminobenzoic acid, PABA, a crucial component bacteria used to synthesize folic acid. Now, why is folic acid important for bacteria? Folic acid is essential for bacterial DNA and RNA synthesis. By impersonating PABA, sulfonamides competitively inhibit the enzyme dihydroptate synthase in the folic acid synthesis pathway leading to the interruption of bacterial nucleic acid and protein synthesis. This mechanism is akin to a superhero stealthily sabotaging the villain's plans by intercepting their supplies. Quinolones, the DNA disruptors next, enter quinolones, a more modern hero with a different approach. Quinolones can be visualized as a high-tech hero, equipped with advanced gadgets to dismantle their bacterial foes. Their weapon of choice? inhibition of DNA replication. 
quinolones target the DNA gyrase and topoisomerase 4 enzymes in bacteria. DNA gyrase is crucial for supercoiling and uncoiling DNA during replication, while topoisomerase 4 is essential for separating replicated bacterial chromosomes. By inhibiting these enzymes, quinolones prevent bacterial DNA replication and transcription, leading to cell death. Imagine quinolones as using a high-tech device to freeze the villain's machinery in its tracks, rendering it useless. Teamwork in action now, let's picture a scenario where our heroes team up against a multi-resistant bacterial villain. Sulfonamides start the action by cutting off the supply line of folic acid, weakening the bacteria. Quinolones then swoop in with their advanced technology to halt DNA replication. This dual assault is effective against a range of bacterial infections, making them a formidable team in the antibiotic arsenal. Advanced considerations for the pharmacy protege as an advanced pharmacy student, it's crucial to understand not just how these agents work, but also their limitations and the challenges they face. Resistance is a significant issue. For sulfonamides, bacteria might alter their enzyme or increase PAGA production. Quinolones face bacterial mutations in DNA gyrase or efflux pumps expelling the drug. It's essential to consider these factors in clinical settings, ensuring the right hero is deployed for the right bacterial villain. Conclusion Heroes with a cause in conclusion, sulfonamides, and quinolones, like superheroes in a narrative, play distinct and vital roles in combating bacterial infections. Their mechanisms of action, while different, are both crucial in the fight against microbial resistance. As you progress in your pharmacy career, remember the stories of these antimicrobial heroes and their ongoing battle to protect human health. Let's open the floor for a Socratic seminar. How do you think the evolving landscape of antimicrobial resistance might shape the future use of sulfonamides and quinolones? What are the implications for pharmacists in terms of prescribing practices and patient education? Title, The Battle Against Bacterial Villains, Sulfonamides and Quinolones Opening Scene, Introduction to the Battlefield in a World Overrun by Bacterial Villains, Two Superhero Groups Emerge, The Sulfonamides and the Quinolones. Each group has unique powers to combat these microscopic malefactors. Feynman Technique, Simplifying the Concept, What are Sulfonamides and Quinolones in the Simplest Terms? How do they differ from each other in their mechanism of action? Socratic Seminar, Encouraging Exploration, Imagine Sulfonamides as characters who interfere with the villain's food supply. Can anyone describe how this analogy relates to their actual mechanism? Think of quinolones as heroes disrupting the villain's communication lines. How does this metaphor apply to their action against bacteria? Middle scene, delving deeper into the hero's abilities the sulfonamides, known as the blockers, can disrupt the metabolic pathways of villainous bacteria. The quinolones, called the disruptors, are adept at breaking essential bacterial DNA processes. Feynman technique, Breaking down complex ideas, how do sulfonamides block bacterial pathways? What is the significance of folic acid synthesis in this context? How do quinolones disrupt DNA processes? What is DNA gyrase, and why is it crucial? Socratic seminar, provoking critical thinking, 
If sulfonamides stop folic acid synthesis, why doesn't this harm human cells? Quinolones target DNA gyrase, but how does this lead to the death of bacterial cells? Final scene, understanding limitations and risks every superhero has limitations, and so do our antimicrobial heroes. Understanding these limitations is key to maximizing their effectiveness and ensuring the safety of the innocent. Feynman technique, addressing limitations, what are the common side effects and limitations of sulfonamides? What are the potential risks and side effects associated with quinolones? Socratic seminar, reflecting on implications, considering the side effects, in what scenarios might one group of heroes be preferred over the other? How do resistance mechanisms developed by bacteria affect our choice of hero? Conclusion, the ever-evolving battle in the fight against bacterial villains, the sulfonamides, and the quinolones play critical roles. However, the battle is ever-evolving, with resistance and new challenges constantly emerging. Feynman technique, recap and reinforcement, let's summarize, what are the key takeaways about sulfonamides and quinolones? How can we apply this knowledge in a clinical setting? Socratic seminar, encouraging lifelong learning, how can we stay ahead in this battle against bacterial resistance? What future developments do you foresee in the realm of antimicrobial agents? This superhero-themed narrative, structured through the Feynman Technique and Socratic Seminar format, not only makes the learning process engaging but also promotes a deeper understanding of the complex world of antimicrobial pharmacology. Welcome to this advanced pharmacy lecture on sulfonamides and quinolones, presented in a unique superhero narrative format. Let's dive into the world of these pharmaceutical heroes using the Feynman technique for clear and simple understanding, combined with a Socratic seminar style for interactive exploration. Sulfonamides, the stealthy shields imagine sulfonamides as the stealthy shield bearers of the antibiotic world. Just like a warrior shield that blocks enemy attacks, sulfonamides thwart the sinister plans of bacteria. They're like undercover agents infiltrating a villain's lair, specifically the folic acid production facility of bacteria. Folic acid is the lifeblood of bacterial growth, akin to fuel for their evil machinery. Sulfonamides, with their clever disguise, mimic a critical component of this process, paraminobenzoic acid, PABA. They slip undetected into the bacterial production line, replacing PABA. This act is similar to sneaking a dud bomb into an ammunition store, it looks the part but fails to explode, effectively halting the production of folic acid, and thus, stopping the bacterial growth in its tracks quinolones, the DNA disruptors on the other hand, quinolones are like the superheroes that leap into the genetic control room of bacteria. Picture them as acrobatic warriors disrupting the enemy's command center. Quinolones target an enzyme called DNA gyrase, crucial for bacterial DNA replication and repair. Think of DNA gyrase as the villain supercomputer, orchestrating their evil plans. Quinolones, with their gymnastic prowess, leap into action, breaking down the supercomputer. The result? The villain's plans are in disarray, the bacteria cannot replicate or repair their DNA. It's like casting a powerful spell that freezes the enemy in time, rendering them helpless. Combining forces, 
a dynamic duo when sulfonamides and quinolones team up, they create a formidable force against bacterial villains. It's like having both an impenetrable shield and a master saboteur at your disposal. One blocks the supply lines, while the other disrupts the command center, ensuring the downfall of the bacterial baddies. Now, let's conclude our narrative with five acrostics to encapsulate the key attributes of these pharmaceutical heroes, one stealthy undercover life-saving folic acid foes outwitting bacteria too. Nimble antibiotic mimicking PABA inhibiting growth defensive shield 3. Quick unleashing chaos interrupting DNA neutralizing villains obliterating plans 4. Lethal operatives navigating genomes eradicating infection 5. Superheroes targeting replication and transcription this narrative, rich with metaphorical and alliterative language, illuminates the intricate mechanisms and heroic roles of sulfonamides and quinolones in combating bacterial infections. By personifying these drugs as superheroes with unique abilities, we gain a deeper and more engaging understanding of their functions in the realm of pharmaceutical science. Welcome to today's lecture on the exciting world of antimicrobial agents, specifically focusing on the dynamic duo of sulfonamides and quinolones, presented in a unique narrative style to deepen your understanding. The story of superheroes, sulfonamides and quinolones in the vast universe of antimicrobial therapy, imagine two superheroes, sulfonamide, the synthesizer scrambler, and quinolone, the DNA disruptor. These characters embark on a mission to protect the body from bacterial villains. Sulfonamide, the synthesizer scrambler sulfonamide is like a skilled gardener who prevents weeds, bacteria, from stealing essential nutrients, paraminobenzoic acid, needed for the garden's growth, bacterial folic acid synthesis. By competing with PABA, sulfonamide blocks the production of folic acid, a critical nutrient for bacterial survival and growth. This blockade is akin to putting up a fence around a valuable resource, ensuring that the weeds, bacteria, can't access what they need to thrive. Quinolone, the DNA disruptor quinolone, on the other hand, is like a master electrician who sabotages the electrical wiring, bacterial DNA gyrase and topoisomerase 4, of the enemy's fortress, bacterial cells. By interfering with these enzymes, quinolone prevents the bacteria from replicating their DNA, thus halting their multiplication. This action is like throwing a wrench into the gears of a complex machine, rendering it inoperative. Together, these superheroes form a formidable team. Sulfonamide cuts off the supply line, while quinolone disrupts the enemy's command center, ensuring a two-pronged attack on the bacterial invaders. Now, let's conclude our session with five acrostics that encapsulate the essence of our superhero narrative, one SULFA superheroes unleashing lethal force against bacteria too. QUINO quelling unwanted infections nimbly obliterating DNA gyrase 3. DMA disastrous for bacteria maneuvering through nucleotides antagonizing replication 4. FOLIC fighting off lethal invaders cleverly 5. GYRASE gyrating yielding resistance against synthetic enemies thank you for joining this metaphorical journey through the mechanisms of sulfonamides and quinolones. Remember, like superheroes in our narrative, these drugs play a crucial role in combating bacterial foes, safeguarding the body with their unique powers. In a world where scientific superheroes are the norm, 
let's embark on an epic journey through the realms of chemistry and pharmacology, guided by the legendary feats of Robert Burns Woodward, George Washington Carver, and Percy Julian. This narrative will intertwine their groundbreaking work with the intricate details of sulfonamides and quinolones, employing the Feynman technique and Socratic seminar format. Our story is not just a tale of molecules and reactions, it's a poetic saga of scientific discovery. The Odyssey of Organic Odyssey Once upon a time, in the kingdom of organic chemistry, there lived three heroes. Robert Burns Woodward, the alchemist of aromatic rings, wove magic into the fabric of organic compounds. His synthesis was like a dance of elements, a ballet of bonds forming and breaking in harmonious synchrony. He was the Beethoven of benzene, orchestrating symphonies in the molecular world. George Washington Carver, the plant whisperer, transformed peanuts and sweet potatoes into a cascade of products. His touch was Midas-like, turning simple legumes into golden innovations. He was the whisperer of whispers, his words flowing like a gentle stream, nurturing the seeds of agricultural chemistry. Percy Julian, the orchestrator of oils, was a master of molecular manipulation. His work with soybeans was akin to a sculptor chiseling away at the marble of medicinal mysteries. He stood as a colossus in the world of steroid synthesis, bridging gaps where none seemed to cross. In this realm, our heroes encountered the enigmatic molecules of sulfonamides and quinolones. Like knights in a microbial battlefield, these antibiotics fought bravely against the dragons of disease. Sulfonamides, the sun shields of the cellular citadel, blocked the sinister synthesis of folic acid in bacterial brigades, like a dam holding back the raging river of infection. Quinolones, the quantum archers, skillfully targeted the DNA gyrase, the Achilles heel of bacterial replication. Their arrows were sharp, their aim true, cleaving through the chaos of infection with the precision of a hawk. The Feynman technique unfolds to understand their mechanisms, we dive into the Feynman technique. Imagine explaining to a child how these molecules work. Sulfonamides are like competitive players in a game of musical chairs, taking the seats that bacteria need to build essential parts. Quinolones, on the other hand, are like skilled ninjas, silently sabotaging the enemy's weapons, preventing them from multiplying and causing harm. A Socratic seminar in session in a Socratic seminar, we ponder, how do the structural nuances of sulfonamides influence their antibacterial activity, or what makes quinolones effective against a wide range of bacteria? These questions spark debates, fuel discussions, and ignite the flames of curiosity. The epic concludes with questions and creativity as our narrative draws to a close. Let's ponder metaphorically, what if sulfonamides were knights of old, what kingdom of bacteria would they protect? Two in the garden of antibiotics, how do quinolones blossom differently from others? Three imagine if Woodward, Carver, and Julian were alchemists, what elixir of knowledge would they concoct? For if the journey of a drug from lab to pharmacy is an odyssey, what sirens would it encounter? 5. In the symphony of synthesis, what instrument would represent the role of sulfonamides? And now, a haiku to encapsulate our journey, molecules entwine, heroes in labs pave the way, science blooms with life. Finally, a 10-line wrap to conclude our odyssey, 
in the lab. They hustle, making bonds shuffle, Woodward, Carver, Julian, in the molecular tussle. Sulfonamides blocking, like warriors rocking, quinolons aiming, bacterial games stopping. Synthesis symphony, organic chemistry's epiphany, each reaction, a step, in the scientific litany. From soil to oil, Carver's toil, Julian's steroids, from plants spoil. Woodward's rings, chemical flings, in this world of molecules, science sings. Title, The Archipelago Anthems, Sulfonamides and Quinolons intro beat with Bahamian vibes verse 1, in the heart of the sea, where the corals thrive, Bahamian legends, they keep alive. Sir Butler and Pindling, giants in the tail, guiding the ship through storm and gale. In the world of microbes, a similar fight, sulfonamides, quinolons, shining bright. They block and disrupt, with precise aim, in the bacterial world, they rise to fame. Chorus, from Nassau shores to the depths unseen, fighting the foes, keeping it clean. Sulfa shields up, quinolon slice, in the battle of health, they pay the price. Verse 2, like Butler's voice, echoing strong, sulfonamides halt the bacterial throng. Mimicking Pava, they cleverly deceive, folic acid synthesis, they never achieve. Quinolons like Pindling, strategic and smart, unraveling DNA, playing their part. Halting replication, a masterful art, in the microbial world, they're off the chart. Chorus, in the Bahamas, where heroes are born, antibiotics, from dusk till morn. Sulfa, quinolons, in tandem they fight, guarding health, with all their might. Bridge, Feynman simplifies, Socrates queries, in the world of drugs, no time for theories. Sulfonamides block, quinolons attack, in this microbial war, there's no turning back. Verse 3, respect to Pindling, respect to Butler, in the fight for freedom, they never did falter. Sulfonamides, quinolons, in their essence, fighting disease, with relentless persistence. Sulfa blocks the path, quinolons cut the line, in this epic battle, they're both divine. Chorus, sulfonamides, quinolons, heroes of might, in the archipelago, they bring the light. From microscopic foes, they set us free, in the world of health, they're the key. Outro, so here's to the heroes, in science and lore, their legacy lives on, forevermore. Sulfa and quinolons, in the annals of time, in this archipelago anthem, they forever shine. Five metaphorical questions for reflection, if sulfonamides were explorers like Sir Butler, what uncharted bacterial territories might they discover? How could quinolons, as wise tacticians, evolve to outsmart the cunning resistance of bacterial armies? In what ways do the strategies of our Bahamian heroes mirror the mechanisms of these antimicrobial agents? Could the unity shown by Sir Pindling inspire collaborative approaches in the realm of antibiotic research? How might the legacy of these Bahamian titans influence the next generation of pharmacists in their quest for innovative treatments? Haiku, Islands of Wisdom, in the Battle of Microbes, Hope and Health Take Flight. Raph Outro, Ten Lines Yo, in the labs where the molecules dance, 
Woodward, Carver, Julian, take a stance. Solfus the arrow, Quinn owns the blade, in this health crusade, legends are made. Bahamian spirit, in science, we trust, in butler and pindling, heroes robust. In microbial wars, there's a front line, Sulfa and Quinolum, forever entwined. Through science and lore, their stories we wrap, in the archipelago, they bridge the gap. Title, The Heart's Guardians, A Tale of Resilience and Innovation Chapter 1 the rise of the Guardians in the vibrant city of Medicopolis, a group of extraordinary individuals, known as the Heart's Guardians dedicated their lives to combating the sinister force of heart failure. Among them, a brilliant pharmaceutical superhero, Dr. Empagliflozin, emerged with a groundbreaking solution. Empagliflozin, a product of years of research, had a unique ability to inhibit the SGLT2 transporter in the kidneys. This led to a significant reduction in glucose reabsorption and improved outcomes for patients with both FREEF and FBEF, a first in the history of heart failure management. Chapter 2, The Challenge of Adversity However, not all was smooth sailing in Medicopolis. The Guardians faced contraindications and challenges with SGLT2 inhibitors, like empagliflozin. In patients with conditions like type 1 diabetes or severe renal impairment, these powerful agents could not be used. Additionally, they had to be vigilant against side effects such as dehydration and urinary tract infections. Meanwhile, the veteran hero Theosemid, a master of diocese, worked tirelessly alongside empagliflozin. With the ability to inhibit the sodium-potassium chloride symporter in the loop of Henel, Theosemid expertly managed fluid retention in heart failure patients. Chapter 3, The Alliance of Innovators Joining Forces these heroes were supported by an elite team of medications, including ACE inhibitors like lisinopril, which skillfully reduced peripheral resistance and improved heart function. However, their journey was not without hurdles. ACE inhibitors, while powerful, could sometimes cause ACI-induced angioedema, a condition managed with the swift intervention of corticosteroids and antihistamines. In the quest for greater efficacy, Sarcubitril forward slash Valzartan emerged as a dynamic duo. Combining the prowess of a neprilysin inhibitor with an angiotensin receptor blocker, this innovative medication brought hope to patients with class 3 FREEF by reducing troponin T levels and rehospitalization rates. Chapter 4, The Battle Against the Invisible Enemy in one of their most challenging cases. The Guardians encountered a 52-year-old man with severe breathlessness and pedal swelling. Utilizing their vast arsenal of medications, including lisinopril, fiosemide, aspirin, and digoxin, they embarked on a journey to restore his health. Through their efforts, they witnessed the transformation of a struggling heart to one of strength and resilience. Chapter 5 the legacy of knowledge the heart's guardians legacy extended beyond their immediate battles. They inspired a new generation of pharmacy and medical students in Medicopolis University, teaching them the intricacies of heart failure management.
from understanding the nuances of ventricular filling and ejection to recognizing the signs and stages of heart failure. The Guardians equip these future heroes with knowledge, skill, and compassion. Epilogue. The heartbeat of Medicopolis as the sun set over Medicopolis. The heart's guardians stood tall, a testament to the power of innovation, resilience, and teamwork in the face of adversity. Their story, etched in the annals of Medicopolis, continued to inspire and guide those dedicated to the noble cause of conquering heart failure. In the heart of every student and citizen, the Guardian's legacy pulsed strongly, a reminder that even in the darkest of times, hope and healing are always within reach. The End Title The Enchanted Heart, A Tale of Heart Failure and the Quest for Healing Chapter 1 The Afflicted Kingdom Once upon a time, in the mystical land of Cardia, there was a kingdom beset by a strange affliction. Its ruler, King Ventriculus, suffered from a complex syndrome known as heart failure. The once vigorous king now faced days filled with breathlessness and nights haunted by the swelling of his feet. Chapter 2 The quest for healing begins determined to find a cure, King Ventriculus summoned his royal physicians. They spoke of two distinct curses one where the heart's mighty chambers, known as ventricles, failed to eject blood, HF ref, and another where these chambers stiffened, resisting the filling of life-giving blood, HFPF. Chapter 3 The Enchanted Elixirs The physicians presented enchanted elixirs, starting with the SGLT2 inhibitors. These potions, especially one named empagliflozin, approved by the FDA on 02 forward slash 24 forward slash 2022, worked their magic by inhibiting the sodium glucose coenzporter in the kidneys. They whispered a warning, beware, for not all can partake in this magic, especially those with type 1 diabetes and severe kidney woes. Chapter 4 the diuretic spell to combat the swelling. They introduced loop diuretics, with Fiosemide leading the charge. This powerful concoction worked by halting a symporter in the loop of Henl, driving out the cursed excess fluids. Chapter 5 The pressure of angiotensin The tale took a twist with the mention of a hormone named angiotensin II, a regulator of blood pressure and a contributor to the king's woes. The physicians recommended ACE inhibitors, a group of potions reducing resistance in the kingdom's blood vessels and easing the heart's burden. Chapter 6 The Case of the Troubled Subject They recounted a case of a 52-year-old man, gripped by breathlessness and pedal swelling, who found relief through a mix of medications, including lysinopril and fiosemide. But caution was advised, as ACE inhibitors could invoke a fearsome dragon named Angioedema. Chapter 7 The Alternative Path for Those Intolerant to ACE Inhibitors The physicians suggested angiotensin at one receptor blockers. And in a special blend, sarcubitril with valzartan, they found a potent mixture to combat heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. Chapter 8 the guardians of the heart further allies in this quest were Spionolactone and Eplorenan, guardians against the Aldosterone monster. They, along with Neprilizin inhibitors, 
fought bravely against the scourge of heart failure. Chapter 9 The Beta Blocker Shield Beta Blocker Therapy emerged as a shield, slowing the heart to conserve its strength. However, a word of caution was given against calcium blocking drugs, as they might aggravate the king's condition. Chapter 10 the Enchanted Heart and the Journey Ahead King Ventriculus, armed with newfound knowledge and potions, embarked on his journey towards healing. The Kingdom of Cardia watched with bated breath, hopeful for their ruler's recovery and the return of peace to their land. Epilogue The Lesson of the Enchanted Heart This tale, while steeped in magic and mysticism, teaches us the importance of understanding and respecting the complexities of heart failure. It reminds us that the quest for healing is a journey of knowledge, caution, and hope. Antihypertensive agents welcome to the interactive lecture on hypertension and its pharmacological management, designed using the Feynman technique. This technique simplifies complex concepts by explaining them in a simpler, more relatable way. Let's embark on this educational journey together. Lecture on Hypertension Management Introduction Setting the stage Hypertension is a common condition affecting millions worldwide. Proper management involves a variety of pharmacological agents. Our focus will be on understanding these agents and their mechanisms. Section 1 Central Acting Sympatholytic Agents Key Question How do central acting sympatholytics like clonidin? Methyl dopa and guanabens work. Simplification: They reduce blood pressure by decreasing sympathetic outflow from the brain. Real-world analogy: Imagine turning down the volume of loud music. Similarly, these drugs turn down the body's stress response. Section two: Peripheral adrenergic blockers. Key question: What role do alpha and beta blockers play in managing hypertension? Simplification, alpha blockers like phenoxabenzamine relax blood vessels, while beta blockers like propranolol slow down the heart rate. Real world analogy, think of alpha blockers as traffic controllers easing the flow of blood, and beta blockers as brakes slowing down the heart's speed. Section 3, Direct Vasodilators Key Question how do direct vasodilators like hydrolazin and minoxidil lower blood pressure? Simplification. They directly relax the walls of blood vessels, allowing blood to flow more easily. Real-world analogy. Picture a hose widening to let more water pass through. These drugs widen blood vessels. Section 4. Calcium channel blockers key question. What is the function of calcium channel blockers like nifedipine in hypertension? Simplification. They prevent calcium from entering heart and blood vessel cells, thus reducing blood pressure. Real-world analogy. Imagine blocking a key ingredient in a recipe. Similarly, these drugs block calcium, a key ingredient for high blood pressure. Section 5. ACE inhibitors key question. How do ACE inhibitors like captopril control hypertension? Simplification. They stop the production of a substance that narrows blood vessels. Real-world analogy. Think of stopping a machine that produces harmful gases. ACE inhibitors stop the production of a substance that tightens blood vessels.
Section 6. Diuretics Key Question. Why are diuretics important in hypertension management? Simplification. They help the body get rid of excess salt and water, reducing blood pressure. Real-world analogy, imagine draining excess water from a pool to prevent it from overflowing. Conclusion, the Golgi apparatus and pharmacy calculations key point, understanding the Golgi apparatus's role in cell function is akin to understanding pharmacy calculations. Takeaway, just as the Golgi apparatus balances protein processing, Pharmacists balance medication dosages for optimal patient care. Engaging questions for audience central sympatholytics. Can you think of a situation where reducing noise or activity helps you focus better, similar to how these drugs reduce sympathetic activity? Alpha and beta blockers. What everyday examples can you think of that involve controlling flow or speed, similar to these medications? Direct vasodilators, how would you explain the concept of widening a pathway to increase flow to a child? Calcium channel blockers, can you imagine a scenario where blocking a component leads to a smoother process, akin to these drugs blocking calcium? ACE inhibitors, how would you describe the importance of stopping a harmful production process in a factory to a friend? Diuretics. What real-life examples can you give for removing excess of something to maintain balance? In the realm where science and math brightly unfold, agents and mechanisms, in pharmacies hold. A tale of hypertension, with secrets untold, in each verse, a story of healing so bold. In the world of C, M, and G, Alpha 2S their stage, in a harmonious dance. Sympathetic flow decreases, in a tranquil trance, blood pressure lowered, giving health a chance. PPPT, control the alpha's role, T, in their patrol. Blocking receptors, they achieve their goal, halted vasoconstriction, wellness they console. P, N, the beta flow they block, T, P, N, in their flock. M, E, they rock, peripheral betas reduced hypertension they knock mixed antagonists alpha and beta they duel balancing pressures in a therapeutic pool numbers lowered side effects they rule pharmacies precision in patient care so cool r and g in a catecholamine spin reducing their levels that's how they begin lowering hypertension a win-win in pharmacies world where healing is akin HTM, in their zone, decreasing tone alone, their purpose shown. Ganglionic blockers, in a class of their own, sympathetic impact reduced, well known. HM, with direct effect, DN, vascular respect. Muscles relax, vasodilation direct, hypertensions challenge, these agents intercept. NVD, a faction, blocking calcium's path reducing vascular reaction smooth muscle relaxes a key interaction lowering pressure a satisfying action cel they call blocking angiotensin not letting it stall vasoconstriction reduced standing tall ace inhibitors a solution for all theazids 
new agents, potassium's production, reducing volume, a hypertension reduction. Chlorothiazide to spironolactone's induction, lowering pressure, a fluid reduction. In the cell, the Golgi sink, a vital link, proteins processed, on the cellular brink. Like calculations in pharmacy, more connected than you think, balancing needs, in an unbreakable link. In this rap of science and math, a tale we told, from agents to mechanisms, stories bold. Pharmacy calculations, the Golgi's role, so cold, in the world of hypertension, these stories are gold. Let's dive into the knowledge, ain't no turning back. Peripheral adrenergic blockers, now it's their turn. Alpha blockers like phenoxabenzamine make blood vessels churn, phentolamine, tolazoline, and prazosin too. They block alpha receptors, that's what they do. Beta blockers step up, it's their time to shine. Propranolol, metoprolol, they are all in line. Block those beta receptors, hypertension they'll sway, nadalol, timolol, they'll keep it at bay. Mixed antagonists, they play both sides, blocking alpha and beta, hypertension hides, they're the agents with the ultimate action, keeping your blood pressure in satisfaction. Adrenergic neuron blockers, now don't you blink, reserpine, guanethidine, make those catecholamines shrink. Reduce the circulating chemicals, that's their might, lowering blood pressure and keeping it right. Ganglionic blockers, a rare breed indeed, hexamethylium, trimethaphan, they take the lead, decrease sympathetic tone, it's their role, to relax those blood vessels and reach the goal. Direct vasodilators, it's time for a twist, hydrolazin, minoxidil, they can't be missed acting directly on smooth muscle, they are the bosses, inducing vasodilation, no hypertension losses. Calcium channel blockers, they bring the finesse, nifedipine, thoropamol, dilshazam, impress, blocking calcium 2 plus entry, that's the game, dilating vessels, keeping blood pressure tamed. ACE inhibitors, they are up next in line, captopril, enalapril, Lysinopril shine, inhibit that enzyme, ACE is the name, blocking angiotensin 2, vasoconstrictions their aim. Diuretics, the last but not the least, thiazids, loop, and potassium sparing, they are the beast, reducing intravascular volume, the final call, chlorothiazide, fiosemide, they do it all. We've taught you the meds, in this hip-hop style, now you'll remember them and wear that big smile, from central to peripheral, we're on the track, you've learned the knowledge, ain't no turning back. Yo, yo, let's dive into the world of pharmacy, where calculations meet biology, it's no fantasy. We're talking agents, mechanisms, in rhythmic harmony, bringing science and math together, in this educational odyssey. Verse 1 Central acting sympatholytic agents clonidin, methyldopa, guanabens, got the stage, alpha-2 adrenergic receptors, they engage. Decreasing sympathetic flow, like turning down a page, lowering blood pressure, that's the central acting rage. 
bridge, pharmacy calculations connect but hold up, in the mix, calculations we inject, dosages, conversions, no aspect we neglect. From MG to ML, we calculate with respect, ensuring right dose, patient safety we protect. Verse 2, peripheral adrenergic blockers, alphas roll phenoxabenzamine, fentolamine, in control, prazosin, trazosin, tolazoline on a roll. Blocking alpha receptors, that's their primary goal, vasoconstriction halted, blood pressure takes a stroll. Verse 3, beta blockers, they're here to show propranolol, nadolol, blocking beta's flow, timolol, pindolol, asputolol, into, metoprolol, atenolol, esmolol, they glow, peripheral beta blockers, reducing BP, blow by blow. Verse 4, mixed antagonists, dual effect blocking alpha and beta, a mixed aspect, balancing the pressure, with dual respect, lowering the numbers, side effects we inspect, with pharmacy precision, patient care we perfect. Verse 5, adrenergic neuron blockers, tune in reserpine, duanethidine, listen to the spin, reducing catecholamines, that's how they begin. Lowering hypertension, with a science-driven grin, in the world of pharmacy, that's a win-win. Verse 6, ganglionic blockers, decrease the tone hexamethylium, trimethaphan, in their zone, mechamylamine, 2, decreasing tone alone. Sympathetic impact reduced, it's well known, ganglionic blockers, their purpose is shown. Verse 7, direct vasodilators, smooth and direct hydrolazin, monoxidil, effects you can't deflect, diazoxide, nitroprusside, vascular respect. Directly relaxing muscles, vasodilatations effect, hypertensions challenge, these agents intercept. Verse 8, calcium channel blockers, smooth contraction nifedipine, verapamil, dilshazam, a fraction, blocking calcium's path, reducing vascular reaction. Smooth muscle relaxation, a key interaction, lowering pressure, with satisfaction. Verse 9, ACE inhibitors, angiotensins fall captopril, enalapril, lysinopril, they call, inhibiting angiotensin, not letting it stall. Vasoconstrictions reduced, they stand tall, ACE inhibitors, a solution for all. Verse 10, diuretics, volumes reduction theazids, loop agents, potassium's production, reducing volume, a hypertension reduction. From chlorothiazide to spironolactone's induction, lowering pressure, it's a fluid reduction. Outro, Golgi apparatus, the cellular link in the cell, Golgi's working, like a vital sink, processing proteins, in the cellular brink. Just like pharmacy calculations, more connected than you think, balancing the body's needs, in an unbreakable link. In this wrap of science and math, a story we unfold, from agents to mechanisms, a tale boldly told. Pharmacy calculations, the Golgi's role, so bold, in the world of hypertension, these stories are gold. Category, central acting sympathetic agents agents, 
clonidin, methyldopa, guana bends mechanism of antihypertensive action, decrease sympathetic outflow by stimulating alpha-2 adrenergic receptors category, peripheral adrenergic blockers agents, alpha blockers which include phenoxabenzamine, phentolamine, tolazoline, prazosin, trazosin mechanism of antihypertensive action, block vasoconstrictive alpha receptors category, peripheral adrenergic blockers agents, beta blockers which include propranolol, nadolol, timolol, pindolol, asputolol, metoprolol, atenolol, esmolol mechanism of antihypertensive action, block peripheral beta receptors category, peripheral adrenergic blockers agents, mixed antagonists mechanism of antihypertensive action, block both alpha and beta receptors category, adrenergic neuron blockers agents, reserpine, guanethidine mechanism of antihypertensive action, reduce amount of circulating catecholamines category ganglionic blockers agents, hexamethonium, trimethafen, mechamylamine mechanism of antihypertensive action, decrease sympathetic tone to vasculature category direct vasodilators agents, hydrolazin, minoxidil, diazoxide, sodium nitroprusside mechanism of antihypertensive action, act directly to relax vascular smooth muscle and induce vasodilatation category, calcium channel blockers agents, nifedipine, thuripamil, dilshazam mechanism of antihypertensive action, block calcium 2 plus mobilization and entry into cells, result is to dilate, Vessels by inhibiting vascular smooth muscle contraction category, ACE inhibitors agents, captopril, enalapril, and lysinopril mechanism of antihypertensive action, inhibitors of angiotensin converting enzyme, block synthesis of angiotensin 2, which is a potent vasoconstrictor category, diuretics agents, thiazide diuretics which includes chlorothiazide, and hydrochlorothiazide. Second, loop diuretics includes fiosemide and ethacrinic acid. Third, potassium sparing diuretics includes spironolactone and trienterine. Mechanism of antihypertensive action, reduce intravascular volume. Let's break it down, hypertension's the game, learn the meds, they'll never be the same, we're diving deep into the drug domain, hip-hop style, so you'll remember their name. Central acting sympatholytics, let's start the show, clonidin, methyldopa, and guanabens, you know, they stimulate alpha-2 receptors, that's the deal, decreasing sympathetic outflow, hypertension we'll heal. We're teaching you the meds, in a hip-hop style, so you'll remember them and wear that big smile, from central to peripheral, we're on the track, let's dive into the knowledge, ain't no turning back. Peripheral adrenergic blockers, now it's their turn. Alpha blockers like phenoxabenzamine make blood vessels churn, phentolamine, tolazoline, and prazosin too. They block alpha receptors, that's what they do. Beta blockers step up, it's their time to shine. Propranolol, metoprolol, they are all in line. Block those beta receptors, hypertension they'll sway, nadolol, timolol, they'll keep it at bay. Mixed antagonists, they play both sides, 
blocking alpha and beta, hypertension heights. They are the agents with the ultimate action, keeping your blood pressure in satisfaction. Adrenergic neuron blockers, now don't you blink, reserpine, duanethidine, make those catecholamines shrink, reduce the circulating chemicals, that's their might, lowering blood pressure and keeping it right. Ganglionic blockers, a rare breed indeed, hexamethonium, trimethaphan, they take the lead, decrease sympathetic tone, it's their role, to relax those blood vessels and reach the goal. Direct vasodilators, it's time for a twist, hydrolazin, minoxidil, they can't be missed, acting directly on smooth muscle, they are the bosses, inducing vasodilation, no hypertension losses. Calcium channel blockers, they bring the finesse, nifedipine, verapamil, dilshazam, impress, blocking calcium 2 plus entry, that's the game, dilating vessels, keeping blood pressure tamed. ACE inhibitors, they are up next in line, captopril, enalapril, lysinopril shine, inhibit that enzyme, ACE is the name, blocking angiotensin 2, vasoconstrictions their aim. Diuretics, the last but not the least, theazids, loop, and potassium sparing, they are the beast, reducing intravascular volume, the final call, chlorothiazide, theosemide, they do it all. We've taught you the meds, in this hip-hop style, now you'll remember them and wear that big smile, from central to peripheral, we're on the track, you've learned the knowledge, ain't no turning back. Yo, yo, let's dive into the world of pharmacy, where calculations meet biology, it's no fantasy. We're talking agents, mechanisms, in rhythmic harmony, bringing science and math together, in this educational odyssey. Verse 1, central acting sympatholytic agents clonidin, methyldopa, guanabenz, got the stage, alpha-2 adrenergic receptors, they engage. Decreasing sympathetic flow, like turning down a page, lowering blood pressure, that's the central acting rage. Bridge, pharmacy calculations connect but hold up, in the mix, calculations we inject, dosages, conversions, no aspect we neglect. From MG to ML, we calculate with respect, ensuring right dose, patient safety we protect. Verse 2. Peripheral adrenergic blockers, alphas roll phenoxabenzamine, fentolamine, in control, prazosin, trazosin, tolazoline on a roll. Blocking alpha receptors, that's their primary goal, vasoconstriction halted, blood pressure takes a stroll. Verse 3, beta blockers, they're here to show propranolol, nadolol, blocking beta's flow, timolol, pindolol, Asputolol, into metoprolol, atenolol, esmolol, they glow, peripheral beta blockers, reducing BP, blow by blow. Verse 4, mixed antagonists, dual effect blocking alpha and beta, a mixed aspect, balancing the pressure, with dual respect, lowering the numbers, side effects we inspect, with pharmacy precision, patient care we perfect. Verse 5, Adrenergic Neuron Blockers, Tune in Reserpine, Duanethidine, Listen to the Spin, 
Reducing catecholamines, that's how they begin. Lowering hypertension, with a science-driven grin, in the world of pharmacy, that's a win-win. Verse 6, ganglionic blockers, decrease the tone hexamethonium, trimethaphan, in their zone, mechamylamine, 2, decreasing tone alone. Sympathetic impact reduced, it's well known, ganglionic blockers, their purpose is shown. Verse 7, direct vasodilators, smooth and direct hydrolazin, minoxidil, effects you can't deflect, diazoxide, nitroprusside, vascular respect. Directly relaxing muscles, vasodilatations effect, hypertensions challenge, these agents intercept. Verse 8, calcium channel blockers, smooth contraction nifedipine, verapamil, dilshism, a fraction, blocking calcium's path, reducing vascular reaction. Smooth muscle relaxation, a key interaction, lowering pressure, with satisfaction. Verse 9, ACE inhibitors, angiotensins 4 captopril, enalapril, lysinopril, they call, inhibiting angiotensin, not letting it stall. Vasoconstrictions reduced, they stand tall, ACE inhibitors, a solution for all. Verse 10, diuretics, volumes reduction theazids, loop agents, potassium's production, reducing volume, a hypertension reduction. From chlorothiazide to spironolic tones induction, lowering pressure, it's a fluid reduction. Outro, Golgi apparatus, the cellular link in the cell, Golgi's working, like a vital sink, processing proteins, in the cellular brink. Just like pharmacy calculations, more connected than you think, balancing the body's needs, in an unbreakable link. In this wrap of science and math, a story we unfold, from agents to mechanisms, a tale boldly told. Pharmacy calculations, the Golgi's role, so bold, in the world of hypertension, these stories are gold. In the realm where science and math brightly unfold, agents and mechanisms, in pharmacies hold. A tale of hypertension, with secrets untold, in each verse, a story of healing so bold. In the world of C, M, and G, Alpha 2S their stage, in a harmonious dance. Sympathetic flow decreases, in a tranquil trance, blood pressure lowered, giving health a chance. PPPT, control the Alpha's role, T, in their patrol. Blocking receptors, they achieve their goal, halted vasoconstriction, wellness they console. P, N. The beta flow they block, TPMRE, in their flock. They rock, peripheral betas reduced, hypertension they knock. Mixed antagonists, alpha and beta they duel, balancing pressures, in a therapeutic pool. Numbers lowered, side effects they rule, pharmacies precision, in patient care so cool. R and G, in a catecholamine spin, reducing their levels. That's how they begin. Lowering hypertension, a win-win, in pharmacy's world, where healing is akin. HTM, in their zone, decreasing tone alone, their purpose shown. Ganglionic blockers, in a class of their own, 
sympathetic impact reduced, well known. HM, with direct effect, DN, vascular respect. Muscles relax, vasodilation direct, hypertensions challenge, these agents intercept. NVD, a faction, blocking calcium's path, reducing vascular reaction. Smooth muscle relaxes, a key interaction, lowering pressure, a satisfying action. CEL, they call, blocking angiotensin, not letting it stall. Vasoconstriction reduced, standing tall, ACE inhibitors, a solution for all. Theazids, loop agents, potassium's production, reducing volume, a hypertension reduction. Chlorothiazide to spironolactone's induction, lowering pressure, a fluid reduction. In the cell, the Golgi sink, a vital link, proteins processed, on the cellular brink. Like calculations in pharmacy, more connected than you think, balancing needs, in an unbreakable link. In this rap of science and math, a tale we told, from agents to mechanisms, stories bold. Pharmacy calculations, the Golgi's role, so cold, in the world of hypertension, these stories are gold. Welcome to the interactive lecture on hypertension and its pharmacological management, designed using the Feynman technique. This technique simplifies complex concepts by explaining them in a simpler, more relatable way. Let's embark on this educational journey together. Lecture on Hypertension Management Introduction Setting the stage hypertension is a common condition affecting millions worldwide. Proper management involves a variety of pharmacological agents. Our focus will be on understanding these agents and their mechanisms. Section 1 Central Acting Sympatholytic Agents Key Question How do central acting sympatholytics like clonidin? Methyl dopa and guanabens work. Simplification: They reduce blood pressure by decreasing sympathetic outflow from the brain. Real-world analogy: Imagine turning down the volume of loud music. Similarly, these drugs turn down the body's stress response. Section two: Peripheral adrenergic blockers. Key question: What role do alpha and beta blockers play in managing hypertension? Simplification, alpha blockers like phenoxybenzamine relax blood vessels, while beta blockers like propranolol slow down the heart rate. Real world analogy, think of alpha blockers as traffic controllers easing the flow of blood, and beta blockers as brakes slowing down the heart's speed. Section 3, Direct Vasodilators Key Question how do direct vasodilators like hydrolazin and minoxidil lower blood pressure? Simplification. They directly relax the walls of blood vessels, allowing blood to flow more easily. Real-world analogy. Picture a hose widening to let more water pass through. These drugs widen blood vessels. Section 4. Calcium channel blockers key question. What is the function of calcium channel blockers like nifedipine in hypertension? Simplification. They prevent calcium from entering heart and blood vessel cells, thus reducing blood pressure. Real-world analogy. Imagine blocking a key ingredient in a recipe. Similarly, 
These drugs block calcium, a key ingredient for high blood pressure. Section 5, ACE inhibitors Key question, how do ACE inhibitors like captopril control hypertension? Simplification, they stop the production of a substance that narrows blood vessels. Real world analogy, think of stopping a machine that produces harmful gases, ACE inhibitors stop the production of a substance that tightens blood vessels. Section 6, diuretics key question, why are diuretics important in hypertension management? Simplification, they help the body get rid of excess salt and water, reducing blood pressure. Real-world analogy, imagine draining excess water from a pool to prevent it from overflowing. Conclusion, the Golgi apparatus and pharmacy calculations key point, understanding the Golgi apparatus's role in cell function is akin to understanding pharmacy calculations. Takeaway, just as the Golgi apparatus balances protein processing, Pharmacists balance medication dosages for optimal patient care. Engaging questions for audience central sympatholytics. Can you think of a situation where reducing noise or activity helps you focus better, similar to how these drugs reduce sympathetic activity? Alpha and beta blockers. What everyday examples can you think of that involve controlling flow or speed, similar to these medications? Direct vasodilators, how would you explain the concept of widening a pathway to increase flow to a child? Calcium channel blockers, can you imagine a scenario where blocking a component leads to a smoother process, akin to these drugs blocking calcium? ACE inhibitors, how would you describe the importance of stopping a harmful production process in a factory to a friend? Diuretics. What real-life examples can you give for removing excess of something to maintain balance? Welcome to the interactive lecture on understanding hypertension and its pharmacological management. We'll explore various classes of antihypertensive agents using the Feynman technique, which involves explaining complex concepts in simple terms. Let's get started. Introduction to Hypertension Question what is hypertension and why is it significant in healthcare? Explanation, hypertension, commonly known as high blood pressure, is a condition where the blood pressure in the arteries is persistently elevated. It's significant because it can lead to serious health problems like heart disease, stroke, and kidney failure. Central acting sympatholytic agents question, how do central acting sympatholytic agents like clonidin, methyldopa, and guanabenz work? Explanation: These agents act on the central nervous system. They stimulate alpha-2 adrenergic receptors, which decreases the sympathetic outflow from the brain. This reduction in sympathetic activity leads to a decrease in blood pressure. Peripheral adrenergic blockers alpha blockers Phenoxabenzamine, phentolamine, tolazoline, prazosin, trazosin. Question, what is the mechanism of action of alpha blockers in managing hypertension? Explanation, alpha blockers work by blocking the alpha receptors on blood vessels. 
This prevents vasoconstriction, narrowing of blood vessels, leading to dilation of blood vessels and a subsequent decrease in blood pressure. Beta blockers, propranolol, nadolol, timolol, pindolol, asputolol, metoprolol, atenolol, esmolol. Question, how do beta blockers reduce blood pressure? Explanation, beta blockers block beta receptors, primarily in the heart. This reduces heart rate and the force of heart muscle contraction, lowering blood pressure. Mixed antagonists question, what are mixed antagonists, and how do they help in hypertension? Explanation, mixed antagonists block both alpha and beta receptors. By doing so, they balance the dilation and contraction of blood vessels and decrease heart rate, effectively managing hypertension. Adrenergic neuron blockers, reserpine, guanethidine, question, what role do adrenergic neuron blockers play in hypertension? Explanation, these agents work by reducing the amount of circulating catecholamines, like adrenaline, which are known to increase blood pressure. Lower levels of these substances result in lower blood pressure. Ganglionic blockers, hexamethonium, trimethaphan, mechamylamine, question, how do ganglionic blockers affect blood pressure? Explanation, ganglionic blockers decrease the sympathetic tone to the blood vessels, which leads to their dilation and thus a decrease in blood pressure. Direct vasodilators, hydrolazin, minoxidil, diazoxide, sodium nitroprusside, question, what is the mechanism of direct vasodilators in controlling hypertension? Explanation. These drugs directly relax the smooth muscles in the blood vessels, causing vasodilation, widening of blood vessels, which reduces blood pressure. Calcium channel blockers, nifedipine, verapamil, dilshazam. Question. How do calcium channel blockers lower blood pressure? Explanation. They block the entry of calcium into the cells of the heart and blood vessels. This action relaxes the blood vessels and reduces heart rate, leading to a decrease in blood pressure. ACE inhibitors, captopril, enalapril, lisinopril. Question, what is the role of ACE inhibitors in hypertension management? Explanation, ACE inhibitors block the conversion of angiotensin I to angiotensin II, a potent vasoconstrictor. This leads to dilation of blood vessels and a decrease in blood pressure. Diuretics, theazids, loop, potassium sparing, question, how do diuretics contribute to lowering blood pressure? Explanation, diuretics reduce the volume of fluid in the blood vessels by increasing urine output. This reduction in fluid volume leads to a decrease in blood pressure. Conclusion, the role of the Golgi apparatus question, what is the connection between the Golgi apparatus and pharmacy calculations in the context of hypertension? Explanation. Just as the Golgi apparatus is essential in processing and packaging proteins in cells, accurate pharmacy calculations are crucial in determining the correct dosages of antihypertensive medications. Both play a pivotal role in maintaining balance the Golgi in cellular processes and calculations in patient treatment. 
This concludes our lecture on hypertension and its pharmacological management. Remember, understanding these concepts is key to effective patient care in the realm of cardiovascular health. Title, The Enchanted Heart, A Tale of Healing and Discovery Chapter 1, The Land of Beating Hearts in the Mystical Land of Cardiaca, Hearts Beat in Harmony, Orchestrating the Rhythm of Life. However, a shadow loomed as heart failure, a complex dragon, disturbed the land. This dragon had two heads, HF-REF, with its weakened pumping prowess, and HF-PEF, known for its stubborn stiffness, making the hearts in Cardiaca struggle to maintain their rhythm. Chapter 2, The Quest Begins Our Hero, a young pharmacist named Elion, embarked on a quest to defeat heart failure. His first ally was the echocardiogram, a magical lens revealing the true nature of the dragon. With it, Elion could see the heart's battle whether against HFREF's weak pumping or HFPEF's stiffness. Chapter 3, the SGLT2 inhibitors in his journey, Elion discovered a powerful potion, SGLT2 inhibitors. These potions, particularly empagliflozin, approved by the wise FDA on 02 forward slash 24 forward slash 2022 worked wonders by banishing excess glucose and sodium through a secret pathway in the kidneys, thus weakening the dragon's grip on the hearts. Chapter 4, The Diuretic Spell Elion then learned the ancient spell of loop diuretics, with fiosemide as its chief ingredient. This spell, by conjuring diasis, helped alleviate the symptoms of the afflicted hearts, making them feel lighter and more energetic. Chapter 5, The Battle Against Angiotensin in the Heart of Cardiacus Forest, Elion confronted Angiotensin II, the dragon's ally. With the help of ACE inhibitors and angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors, Elion tamed the blood pressure, reducing the dragon's power. For those intolerant to these spells, he had angiotensin at one receptor blockers, a milder but effective alternative. Chapter 6, The Dual Sword of Sarcubitral forward slash Valzartan Elion found the legendary Dual Sword, Sarcubitral forward slash Valzartan. This weapon, combining the strength of a neprilysin inhibitor with an angiotensin receptor blocker, was perfect for battling HF-REF. It not only reduced troponin T levels but also lessened the chances of the hearts being captured again by the dragon. Chapter 7, The Shield of Aldo's Throne Antagonists to Protect the Hearts, Elion used the Shield of Spionolactone and Eplorenan. These Aldo's Throne receptor antagonists fortified the hearts, preventing the dragon from inflicting further damage. Chapter 8, The Chronicles of the Afflicted Elion's Journey was filled with tales of those battling heart failure. He encountered a 52-year-old man gasping for air, his feet swollen like balloons. With a cocktail of lysinopril, fiosemide, aspirin, and digoxin, Elion eased his suffering. Another case was a 55-year-old man, his heart weakening day by day. A change in his potion to include sarcubitral forward slash valzartan brought him back from the brink. Chapter 9 
the beta blocker elixir and the calcium blocking mirage the beta blocker elixir was Elion's next discovery, slowing the heart rate and strengthening it against the dragon. However, he was cautious with the calcium blocking drugs, which often mirrored false promises, worsening the heart's plight. Chapter 10 the final confrontation armed with knowledge and potent remedies, Elion faced heart failure. One by one, he countered its attacks, managing fluid overload, controlling blood pressure, and strengthening the heart muscle. The dragon, weakened by Elion's spells and potions, finally retreated, and peace returned to Cardiaca. Epilogue the heart's eternal vigilance alliance journey taught him the importance of vigilance. With the ACCF and NYHA guiding him, he continued to monitor the hearts of Cardiaca, ensuring they beat in harmony, free from the dread of heart failure. In Cardiaca, hearts now beat stronger, echoing alliance courage and wisdom across the land. Title, Heart Guardians, The Heroes of Cardiac Care Chapter 1 the rising threat in the bustling city of Cardiopolis, a sinister shadow loomed over the hearts of its citizens. The threat of heart failure, a complex and relentless foe, was on the rise. The city, once vibrant with life, now echoed with the struggles of those burdened with the specter of cardiac dysfunction. Chapter 2 Birth of the Heart Guardians Deep within the labs of the prestigious Cardiopolis University, a group of dedicated pharmacy and medical students, inspired by the plight of the city, vowed to combat this growing menace. They transformed into the Heart Guardians, a team of superhero professionals equipped with the latest in pharmacological weaponry and medical knowledge. Chapter 3 the arsenal of hope leading the team was empagliflozin, a pioneering SGLT2 inhibitor known as the Glucose Guardian. With the power to improve outcomes in both heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, FREEF, and heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, FBEF, empagliflozin was a beacon of hope. Fiosemide, the diuretic dynamo joined the ranks, using its loop diuretic abilities to alleviate congestion and symptoms by promoting diuresis and addressing electrolyte disturbances. ACE inhibitors, the pressure protectors and their allies, angiotensin II receptor blockers, played crucial roles. They reduced peripheral resistance and water retention, improving outcomes in heart failure. Sarcubitral forward slash Valzartan, known as the dual defender combined the powers of a neprilysin inhibitor with an angiotensin receptor blocker, significantly reducing hospitalizations and mortality in heart failure. Spionolactone and Eplorenan, the aldosterone adversaries joined the fight against severe heart failure, decreasing morbidity and mortality through their antagonistic actions. Chapter 4 the battle against heart failure the heart guardians faced their first major test with a 52-year-old man, presenting with severe breathlessness and pedal swelling. Using their combined powers of pharmacological therapy and careful monitoring, they tackled the complexities of his case, managing the ASI-induced angioedema and adjusting his medications to optimize heart function. Chapter 5 
the echo of success as the Guardians continued their valiant efforts, the city of Cardiopolis began to breathe easier. The once constant hum of heart failure was now punctuated by stories of recovery and hope. Chapter 6 A New Dawn in Cardiopolis with the Heart Guardians' unyielding dedication and expertise, the city witnessed a remarkable turnaround. Heart failure, once a daunting adversary, was now being held at bay, thanks to the heroes who had risen to its challenge. The Heart Guardians stood tall, a testament to the power of knowledge, innovation, and teamwork. As they looked out over the city they had saved, they knew their journey was far from over, but they were ready for whatever challenges lay ahead, armed with their unwavering spirit and the latest advancements in cardiac care. Epilogue, a beacon for the future The tale of the Heart Guardians became a source of inspiration for future generations of pharmacy and medical students. Their story was not just one of triumph over a medical condition but a beacon of hope, showcasing the incredible impact of dedication, research, and compassion in the face of adversity.
Thanks for listening to the podcast series The New Student Pharmacist, where we discuss chemistry and pharmacy, as well as leaders in pharmacy careers, community, and chemistry and pharmacy research. We encourage you to support the work we are doing and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by subscribing for free. We are so glad that you were able to tune in today. Note, the views on the podcast represent those of my guest, and I take care and all the best.